Amen. <clears throat> All right, well, we're there in John chapter number 18. I'd like you to keep your place there. We're going to come back to it. But go with me to the book of, uh, to the book of Matthew, if you would. <clears throat> You're there in John. John 18, if you just head back through the book of Luke, Mark, into the book of Matthew. We have been going through a series on Sunday nights called The Life of Peter. And this is now the ninth week in this series. If you remember, we started off with a sermon called The Call of Peter. In the second week, we talked about Peter's mother-in-law. Week three, preached a sermon called Launch Out into the Deep. Week, week four, we talked about the story of Peter walking on water. Week five, we talked about the ups and downs in the Christian life and in the life of Peter. Week six, we learned about the Mount of Transfiguration. Week seven, we learned about Peter casting a hook and taking up a fish and paying taxes. And week eight, we learned about Jesus warning Peter that Satan had desired to have you. And now... We are coming towards the conclusion, and we will finish this series by the grace of God uh, this year, this year, uh, this week, and next week we'll finish this up and start a brand new Sunday night series along with our Sunday morning series uh, in the new year. Tonight we're talking about Peter's denial of Christ, and if you remember from last week's sermon, Peter swore that he would never deny uh, the Lord Jesus Christ. And let's just look at that real quickly. If, if you're there in Matthew 26, look at verse 31. Matthew 26 and verse 31, the Bible says, And then saith Jesus unto them, All ye shall be offended because of me this night. Matthew 26, 31. For it is written, I will smite the shepherd, and the sheep of the flock shall be scattered abroad. But after I am risen, I will go before you into Galilee. Peter answered and said unto him, Though all men shall be offended because of thee, yet will I never be offended. Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto thee, that this night before the cock crow, thou shalt deny me thrice. Peter said unto him, Though I should die with thee, yet will I not deny thee. Likewise also said all the disciples. And in other gospels, Peter says, I'll go to prison with you. I, here he says, I'll die with you. He says, I'm not going to deny you. And he swore that he never would. And here's the thing. I think Peter was sincere when he said that. I think Peter had every intention to suffer with Christ and to die with Christ. In fact, in the chapter we were just in, in John chapter 18, if you would go back there, I want you to notice that Peter shows how genuine he is with his willingness to die and suffer and be in prison with Christ. He literally takes a sword and cuts a man's uh, ear off in an attempt to defend Christ or to keep Christ from being uh, captured. Are you there in John 18? Look at verse number 3. John chapter 18 and verse 3. The Bible says this, Judas then, having received a band of men and officers from the chief priests and Pharisees, cometh hither with lanterns and torches and weapons. Notice verse 10, Then Simon Peter, having a sword, drew it, and smote the high priest's servant, and cut off his right ear. Now, the Bible doesn't tell us this, but I, I would assume that, you know, we know Peter is a fisherman. He's not necessarily a soldier. And, you know, thankfully for Peter, he's not very good with the sword. I think he's probably trying to cut this guy's head off. You know, and he, uh, maybe the guy ducked and he missed. He, and he cut off his right ear, the Bible says. The servant's name was Malchus. Look at verse 11. Then said Jesus unto Peter, put up thy sword into the sheath. The cup which my father hath given me, shall I not drink it? And then Jesus proceeds to pick up the guy's ear, puts it back on his head, heals him. And, I, and you know, to me, even that story kind of boggles the mind. Here you are uh, there to uh, capture Jesus. Your, get, your ear gets cut off. He puts it back on. 
You know, and that doesn't give you some sort of a hint that maybe this is a good guy. And uh, maybe this is more than just a man. And, uh, and of course, but here, the point that I'm making is this. Peter, I believe, genuinely, when he said those words, and we talked about it last week, his pride got in. He said, I would never die. Though all men should deny you. I'll never deny you. I believe he was genuine. I believe he honestly thought in his head, I would never deny Christ. I would, I would die with Christ. I would be in prison with Christ. And, and then he even proves it by attempting to defend Jesus and cuts off this man's ear. But here's the interesting thing. Before the night is over, we're not talking about days later or weeks later or years later. We're talking about hours from now. Peter will deny that he even knows Jesus. Notice verse 25 there in John chapter 18. John 18 and verse 25, the Bible says this, And Simon Peter stood and warmed himself. They said therefore unto him, Are not thou also one of his disciples? He denied it and said, I am not. I mean, they just asked him a a point blank question. Aren't you a disciple of Christ? This is the man who just cut off the ear of an individual in an attempt to defend Christ. This is a man who just a few hours ago was swearing up and down and saying, I'll never deny you. I'll go to prison with you. I'll die with you. And now, and we're told it's a handmaid. We're told, you know, it's, it's a, I, I don't know, I, whenever I read that, I think a, a, a middle school girl huh, is asking Peter, aren't you one of the disciples? And he denied and said, I'm not. Notice verse 26, and one of the servants of the high priest, being a kinsman whose ear Peter cut off, said, did not I see thee in the garden with him? Peter then denied again. And immediately, the cock crew. And here's a question you need to ask yourself, and here's a question we'll do our best to answer tonight, is how do you get from the place where you genuinely say, I would never deny Christ, to just a few short hours later, stand before people you don't even know, and deny to even know Christ, deny the fact that you've ever even met Christ, because I want you to understand that this, is, this, this happened overnight, but this has not happened by accident. There were some steps that Peter took that brought him to this place. And I'd like you to go back to Matthew 26, if you would. I want to give you, I want to highlight these steps for you. There's four steps that I can tell in this story that brought Peter to this place. And you say, well, why would we study this? Here's why, because like Peter, you and I can take these steps. You might be here tonight and you might genuinely, and maybe you wouldn't say it after the sermons we've been preaching about Peter, but you might genuinely in your heart say, I love the Lord and I believe you. I love God. I'm going to serve God with my life. I'm going to stick this thing out. I'm going to be one of those Christians that makes it to the end. I'm going to serve God for decades. And you might genuinely believe that and think that and have every intention to do that. But let me tell you something. There are steps that you can take in your life that will bring you to the place where you would deny Christ. And for us, and for us, it might not ever be something we say out loud because we don't live in a time, at least now, where we might die for the name of Christ. But for us, the application might not be words, but actions. What about when we get around people who don't know Christ and we might act we might live, our actions might, we might portray ourselves as people who don't really know Christ, and aren't really Christians, and aren't really saved. 
How do you get to that place in your life? I want you to notice the steps that brought Peter to this place. First of all, and if you're taking notes, I'd encourage you to take notes on the back of your course of the week. There's a place for you to write notes down. Here's step number one, as far as I can tell, that Peter took that brought him to this place. And it was that he distanced himself from Christ. What's interesting is that Peter, if you remember, Peter was called to follow Christ, right? That's what Peter's been doing with the last several years of his life. He's just been going where Christ goes. And if Christ goes to preach a sermon, he goes where Christ went to preach a sermon. And if Christ goes to the house of a uh, publican, then he went to the house of a publican. And if Jesus was feeding 5,000, he was just there because Jesus just walked up to Peter one day and said, follow me. And now for years, Peter has just been a follower of Christ, following Christ. But what's interesting is that now that Jesus has been arrested, we see Peter continue to follow Christ, but there is an adjective added to the description. Notice verse 58, Matthew 26 and verse 58. But Peter followed him. Now, if there was a period there that would be no different than anything that Peter has done up to this point. Peter has been a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I know we use that terminology and we spiritualize it. There's nothing wrong with that. But Peter is literally following Jesus along. And that's what he's been doing for three years, three and a half years now. He's been following Christ. And here we read, but Peter followed him. That's normal. Here's the new description. Here's the new adjective. Here's the new thing that Peter did that brought him to the place of denial. He followed him. Notice these words afar off. He distanced himself from Christ. He followed him afar off unto the high priest's palace and went in and sat with the servants. And I want you to notice that Peter is genuinely interested in what will happen to Christ. Notice, why did he follow? To see the end. He wanted to know what was going to happen. He wanted to know what was going to happen with the Lord Jesus Christ. So he followed like he's always followed, except this time. He followed afar off. He distanced himself from Christ. And this is emphasized in the Gospels. Go to Mark chapter 14, if you would. You're there at Matthew. Just one book over. Mark chapter 14, verse 54. Mark 14, verse 54. Mark 14 and verse 54, the Bible says this, and Peter followed him. Mark chapter 14 and verse 54, and Peter followed him. Notice the words, afar off. Peter followed him afar off, even into the place of the high priest, and he sat with the servants and warmed himself at the fire. Keep your place there in Mark. We'll come back to it. But if you would, go with me to the book of James. Towards the end of the New Testament, if you start at the book of Revelation and head backwards, you'll have Revelation, Jude, 3rd, 2nd, and 1st John, 2nd and 1st Peter, James. James chapter number 4. Now, I realize that you've kept your place in Mark, and I'd like you to continue to do that. Do me a favor and also keep your place in James, because we're going to leave it and we're going to come back to it. So I'd like you to be able to get to it quickly. James chapter 4, you've got Revelation, Jude, 3rd, 2nd, and 1st John, 2nd, and 1st Peter, James, James chapter 4. And I want you to understand something. When you and I, when Christians today get to the place in our lives where we might not ever say it out loud, maybe we would, I don't know, but we get to the place in our lives where our lives represent the idea that I'm not even sure this person knows Christ, or we act like someone who's never met Christ, who's never followed Christ, who's never been influenced by Christ. When we get to that place, we will get to that place. And here's what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about a brand new Christian that just got saved. I'm talking about you. 
Someone would show up to a church like this on a Sunday night for the second time in one day. Someone who your friends would say, you're in a cult, or you're zealous, or you're very religious, or you're a Bible thumper, or you're this or that. Someone who's been sold out, and has been maybe soul winning, and, and, and been giving your money to church, and all those crazy things. Someone like you could get to the place that would deny Christ with their life. And it starts by this, a small distancing of yourself from Christ. And I'm, t- I'm, I'm speaking spiritually. Peter did it physically, but you and I can do it spiritually. Are you there James 4? Why don't you notice this? This promise from God. James chapter 4 and verse 8. Here's what the Bible says. James 4, 8. Draw nigh to God, and He will draw nigh to you. This is a great promise in Scripture. This is a very comforting promise in Scripture. God promises that when I draw nigh to God, when I take a step towards God, God will take a step towards me. And the more I pursue God, the more God will pursue me. Now, we realize that God sent His Son to seek and to save that which was lost. We're not talking about salvation. We're talking about somebody who's already saved. God says, when you draw close to me, I'll draw close to you. But I want you to understand that the opposite is also true. When you take a step away from God, God takes a step away from you. And the first step at becoming... The first step at becoming a castaway, the first step at becoming someone who used to, I used to go to church, I used to go soul winning, I used to be a follower of Jesus Christ. We're not talking about losing your salvation. We're talking about living the life of a follower, a disciple of Jesus Christ. I used to, but now I don't. I used to live like a follower, and now I live like someone who doesn't even know Christ. The first step is a distance between yourself and Christ because God says, if you draw nigh to me, I'll draw nigh to you. But the truth is this, when we choose to take a step back, then God takes a step back. And what I've learned is that people, generally speaking, and this happens sometimes, but generally speaking, you don't go from Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, food to thrive, soul winning, tithing, reading your Bible every day, praying every day. You don't go from that and just wake up one day and you're in prison. Right? You don't go from that and just wake up one day and you're divorced, your kids are living for the devil, and it's like, what happened? You know what usually happens? You go from Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, Sunday morning, Wednesday night, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, Sunday morning, Wednesday night, Sunday morning, Sunday morning, Sunday morning, Wednesday night, Sunday morning. You know what I've noticed? People just begin to take these steps back. You go from soul winning every week to soul winning every other week to soul winning every three weeks to maybe show up if we're having some sort of special thing and everybody else is doing it. You go from reading your Bible every day to reading your Bible every other day. You go from praying every day to praying once a week. Here's all I'm telling you. The first step to becoming a castaway is putting some distance between yourself and and God putting some distance between you and Christ. And by the way, this is what Jesus said to the church of Laodicea. He said, repent. and do." The, he said, remember therefore from whence thou art fallen, and repent. And do the first works. Or else I will come unto thee. And we'll remove that candlestick out of that place, except I repent. And here's what he's saying. He's saying, remember what you used to do, and do that again. And here's all I'm telling you. Here's the point that I'm trying to make, and I hope I'm being clear. The point is this. If you've ever been closer to God than you are right now, by definition, you're backslidden. 
You've allowed some distance between you and Christ. You say, I'm still following. I know so is Peter, afar off. I'm, I'm still following. But not as closely as you used to follow. Not as zealous as you used to be. Not as excited as you used to be. And here's all I'm telling you. I'm not picking on you. I'm just telling you. That's the first step to denying Christ. So what's the first step that brought Peter? I mean, he swore he would never deny Christ. He even cut off a man's ear. And then a few hours later, he's denying the Lord Jesus Christ. Denying that he even knows him. How did that happen? Well, it happened, number one, by distancing himself from Christ. But I'd like you to notice, secondly, tonight, if you go back to John chapter 18, if you're there in Mark, you just head back through the book of Luke into John. Mark chapter, uh, excuse me, John chapter 18. First of all, we see that Peter distanced himself from Christ. But I'd like you to notice, secondly, the first mistake Peter made. See, Peter should have just stuck right there with Jesus. If you're taking him, I'm going with him. I'm a follower. That's the deal. He said, oh, I'll follow, but I'll just follow far off. I'll follow, but I'll just allow some distance between me and Christ. I want you to notice the second step, second mistake Peter made was this. Not only did he distance himself from Christ, but he, he, he also detached himself from good friends. Notice verse 15, John 18, 15. And Simon Peter followed Jesus, and so did another disciple. Now, the other disciple that's mentioned here is John, John the Beloved. He's a disciple that's writing this gospel, and he doesn't mention himself by name, but he tells us later that he is the one who wrote this book. And the Bible says that Simon Peter followed Jesus, and so did another disciple, referring to John. That disciple was known unto the high priest. So John had connections. Because remember, Jesus was brought into the palace of the high priest. And that disciple, he knows the, uh, someone there. Uh, 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 he has a connection with the high priest. Notice, and went in with Jesus. Notice that John, and by the way, John, out of all the disciples, is the only one that did not scatter off. Is the only one that did not. Remember, Jesus said, all of you will be scattered for me today, but not John. In fact, John, only John and a handful of women were the people that had the courage to stand there with Jesus at the cross. But I want you to notice the difference between John and Peter was that the Bible tells us in John 18, 15, he went in with Jesus. He did not put distance between himself and Christ into the place of the high priest. Notice verse 16. But, here's the contrast. Peter stood at the door without, on the outside. Then went out that other disciple, John, which was known unto the high priest, and spake unto her that kept the door, and brought in Peter. So notice, John, get the picture. John and Peter are following Jesus as he's been arrested. They get to the house of the high priest. John gives a secret handshake or whatever. He's got a connection. They let him in. Peter stays out. John realizes Peter isn't there. He goes back out and he says, hey, he's with me and brings him in. And at this point, Peter is doing good, except for the fact that he allowed himself to get separated from John, even within the house of the high priest. Go to Matthew 26. Look at verse 69. Matthew 26, verse 69. Notice what the Bible says. Now Peter, Matthew 26, 69. Now Peter sat without in the palace. Matthew 26, and verse number 69. Notice what the Bible says. <clears throat> now Peter sat without in the palace, and a damsel came unto him, saying, Thou also was with Jesus of Galilee. 
But he denied before them all, saying, I know not what thou sayest. And, and here's the point. We don't know exactly what happens. John brings him in, but at some point, John and Peter get separated. John and Peter get detached. And Peter's big mistake other than following Christ afar off, was that he detached himself from his good friend, John. Go to Proverbs chapter 13, if you would, in the center of your Bible. You're more than likely, if you open up your Bible just right in the center, you're more than likely following the book of Psalms. Right after Psalms, you have Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 13. You say, how, do I get, how, how, how could I get to the place where I would deny Christ? I go to church three times a week. I go soul winning. I read the Bible. You sound like a Pharisee. <laughs> I fast twice of the, in the week. And how could you get to that place? Well, if you put distance between yourself and Christ, you'll get there. If you detach yourself from good friends, you'll get there. You know that your friends and you young people need to listen to what I'm about to tell you. Your friends will determine the direction and destination of your life. If we want to know where you're headed, all we have to look, all we need to do is look at who your friends are. Your friends will determine the direction, and the destination of your life. And because of that, you need to make sure you've got some good friends. Proverbs chapter 13 and verse 20, the Bible says this, He that walketh with wise men shall be wise. Proverbs 13 verse 20, He that walketh with wise men shall be wise, but a companion of fools shall be destroyed. You want to be friends with a bunch of fools, you'll get destroyed. You want to be wise? Find wise people to walk with. You say, why? Because your friends, your friends will determine the direction and destination of your life. You need to be careful who you allow to influence you. You need to be careful who you allow into your realm of influence. Why? Because you will be like your friends. And when Peter detached himself from John, he made a big mistake. Because your friends will influence you. Proverbs 22. Look at verse 24. You're there in Proverbs 13. Just flip a few pages over. Proverbs 22 and verse 24. Proverbs 22 and verse 24. The Bible says, Make no friendship with an angry man. Make no friendship with an angry man, and with a furious man thou shalt not go. You say, why? Why should I not make friendships with an angry man? Verse 25. Lest thou learn his ways. And get a snare to thy soul. You know that your friends will influence you? Your friends, your friends will determine the direction and the destination of your life. You need to understand that. You need to learn that. You need to realize that if you're going to look, you, you say, I'd like to serve God with my life, then you better get around people that are serving God with their lives. I'd like to be a, a soul winner. Then get around soul winners. I'd like to be uh, someone who, who, who follows God. Then get around people that follow God. Because even Peter, even Peter, who uh, uh, is authentic and genuine in his thoughts and say, I'll never deny Christ, when he detached himself from good friends, found himself denying Jesus. Proverbs 27. You're there in Proverbs 22. Just flip a few pages over. Proverbs 27, verse 17. Proverbs 27 and verse 17. The Bible says this, Iron sharpeneth iron. So a man sharpeneth the countenance of his friends. And here's all I'm telling you. Your friends will determine the direction and the destination of your life. You will become like your friends, so make good friends. You will become like your friends, so make sure you get around people. Look, you say, I want to serve God. Then get around people that serve God. And by the way, this is why I teach. This is why we believe. 
that the local New Testament church, as a New Testament believer, which is supposedly what you are, if you got saved, as a New Testament believer, the local New Testament church should be the social uh, 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 epicenter of your life. This should be where your friends are. This should be where all your social connections are. This should be, and look, when you're out there in the world and you're working, you're doing whatever, be friendly. But those people should not be your friends. You say, why? Because they will determine the direction and destination of your life. And look, we do our best to give you as many opportunities to fellowship and this and that or whatever. But you need to make a choice of making good friends because you will be like your friends. So make good friends. Peter messed up. Peter messed up when he distanced himself from Christ. Peter messed up when he detached himself from a good friend. When he detached himself from a good friend, John. You're there in Proverbs. Go to, go to Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes chapter 4. Just the next book over. Proverbs, Ecclesiastes. We actually saw these verses last Sunday morning, but I think they're worth seeing again. Ecclesiastes chapter 4. Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verses 9 and 10 are probably the, in my opinion, best verses in regards to why we have relationships, why we have community, why we attempt to make good friendships. Ecclesiastes 4, 9 and 10, the Bible says this, and this, look, would this help Peter? Two are better than one. Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. Would this help Peter? For if they fail, the one will lift up his fellow. Peter, stay with John. Because if you fall, the one will lift up his fellow, but woe to him that is alone when he falleth. For he hath not another to help him up. And this is why one of the most frustrating things for me as a pastor, I'll just tell you this, and I realize I'm preaching to the choir. But one of the most frustrating things for me as a pastor, I don't know why, I don't know if it's just in our DNA, it's in our flesh, or if the devil does it, or I don't understand it, but it seems like when people start going through something, the first thing they want to do is disconnect themselves and detach themselves from the people they need the most. So when the world or your flesh or the devil starts telling you, ah, maybe not, maybe I won't go to church this week, or I don't want to take that phone call, or I don't want to talk to them right now. Look, you need them. You say, why? Because two is better than one. Because woe to he who falleth when he is alone. For he hath not another to help him up. We are here to help each other, to sharpen each other, to be there when we need each other. So look, if you don't want to end up like Peter denying Christ, don't detach yourself from good friends. Because he that walketh the wise men shall be wise. Because your friends will determine the direction and destination of your life. Let me give you a third reason if you go to Matthew 26. You say, how, do, how does a good man like Peter end up denying Christ? Well, he distanced himself from Christ. He started skipping Bible reading. Started skipping prayer time. Started skipping soul winning. Started skipping church services. He put distance between. He's still following, but just not as closely. How did Peter end up denying Christ? He detached himself from good friends. Look, you should have stuck. You should have stuck with John. The story, the narrative could have gone this way. The only two people that stood with Jesus were Peter and John. The story went this way. The only man that stood with Jesus was John, because Peter did not stay 
with his friend. Here's step number three. Not only did Peter make the big mistake of detaching himself from John, but he made the even bigger mistake of drawing near to the world. Are there in Matthew 26? Look at verse 58. But Peter followed him afar off onto the high priest's place and went in and sat. Don't, don't miss this. And sat with the servants. Whose servants? The high priest's servants. The guy who just ordered the imprisonment and capture of the Lord Jesus Christ, he went and sat with the world. He was, he was with John. He let John go. He detached from John, and then he drew near to the world and sat with the servants to see the end. Go to Mark 14. Look at verse 54. I just want you to see this in these passages. Mark chapter 14 and verse 54. The Bible says this, And Peter, Peter followed him afar off, even into the place of the high priest. Mark 14, 54. And he, Peter, sat with the servants and warmed himself at the fire. See, he not only detached himself from good friends, but then he drew near to the world. And look, here's all I'm telling you. In your Christian life, in your Christian life, when you distance yourself from God, you detach yourself from good friends, and you find yourself hanging out with the world, you're going to deny Christ. You're going to become a castaway. You're not going to finish this thing. You're not gonna, you're not, it's not going to end well. There's repentance and all of that, but that comes with a lot of scars. If you would, I'd like you to go to the book of Psalms, Psalm 1. We were just in Proverbs, so it should be easy to find. You open up your Bible just right in the center, Psalm 1. Psalm 1, and look at verse 1. Do you know how the Bible teaches separation from the world? Come out, come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord. Psalm 1.1, you say, what does that mean? We're, we're, in, one, in Psalm 1.1, we're told, we're told this. We're told, blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. You want counsel? Don't go to the world for it. Don't go to the ungodly for it. Nor standeth in the way of sinners. Here's Peter. Nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. The Bible says, look, the Bible says you're not going to be blessed as a Christian. You're not going to be blessed as a follower of Christ when you are walking in the counsel of the ungodly, when you're standing in the way of sinners, when you're sitting in the seat of the scornful. Notice verse 2, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and his law did he meditate day and night. Verse 3, and he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. And here's what I want you to understand. Usually, when we go to Psalm 1, and we look at verse 3, but he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water, we usually connect that to verse 2, which makes perfect sense. That's the context. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law does he meditate day and night. But I want you to understand that verse 2 is in the context of verse 1. And all I'm telling you is this, that you, can, you will not be a tree planted by the rivers of water while you are walking in the counsel of the ungodly and standing in the way of sinners and sitting in the seat of the scornful. So you cannot, you cannot go sit and warm yourself at the fire with the world and think that everything's going to be okay with you and God. In fact, the Bible says the opposite. I'm not sure if you kept your place in James. I asked you to keep your place in James if you would. 
go back there, James chapter 4. We're going to come back to Proverbs just so you know if you want to keep a finger there or whatever. James 4 and verse 4. James chapter 4 and verse 4. See, here's what... Here's what I'm going to ask the Lord to help me say this the right way. Here's what carnal Christians don't understand. They don't understand that with God you cannot be neutral. The, the, in fact, Jesus said, Jesus said, Jesus said to the church, he said, he said, he said, he said, I, he said you're, you're lukewarm. He said, you're not hot or cold. He said, I work that, that we're hot. He said, or cold. He said, he said, because you're lukewarm, I'm going to spew you out of my mouth. See, we get this idea that I can hold hands with the world and I can hold hands with God and I can be walking with the world and I can be walking with God and everything's going to be A-OK, but it's not. James 4.4, the Bible says this, Ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that friendship of the world is enmity with God? The word enmity means to be put at odds with. Whosoever wherefore will be friend of the world is the enemy of God. And here's, here's what the Bible says, and here's what I'm trying to tell you. There is no neutral space. You're either with God or you're not. You're either with the world or you're not. Peter, you're going to go sit. You're going to go sit in the seat of the scornful, and you're going to go sit and warm yourself in the fire with the world. Just realize it will not lead you in the right direction. So what were the mistakes that Peter made? Well, he distanced himself from Christ and he detached himself from the world and he drew, excuse me, he detached himself from good friends and he drew near to the world. Like you notice the fourth step he took. Matthew 26, if you would. Like you notice what he does. He deferred to his surroundings. He yielded himself. He took the mold of the people around him. Because the people, look, when you bring yourself to people, the Bible says iron sharpened iron. Please, please understand this. You young people, you need to get this. Iron sharpened iron. You say, oh, I'm going to go date somebody and they're worldly and they're not saved and they're whatever. They're, you're not going to pull them up, they're going to pull you down. Peter deferred. He yielded himself to his surroundings. Matthew 26, verse 69. Now Peter sat without in the palace, and a damsel. This man fought a soldier, cut off the ear of a man that was there to arrest Jesus, and now we see a damsel, a young girl, came unto him, saying, Thou also was with Jesus of Galilee. But he denied before them all, saying, I know not what thou sayest. And when he was gone out into the porch, another maid, just a young girl, saw him and said unto them that were there, this fellow was also with Jesus of Nazareth. And again, he denied with an oath, I do not know the man. And after a while came unto him, they that stood by and said to Peter, surely thou also art one of them, for thy speech bereath thee. They said, he's from Galilee, and you sound like a Galilean. You look like the guy that we saw. You cut off someone's ear, Peter. You know him, right? Then began he to curse and to swear, saying, I know not the man. And immediately the cock crow. And Peter remembered the words of Jesus, which said unto him, Before the cock crow, thou shalt deny me thrice. And he went out and wept bitterly. If you go to Proverbs 29, Proverbs 29 
You say, oh, Peter was weak. Peter was one of the greatest men of God in the Bible. Let me remind you that we are dissecting Peter's low point in his life, but he did great things for God before this, and he's going to do great things after God, for God after this. Why would God put this in the Bible? To show you that you will defer. You will defer. I would defer to our surroundings. So be careful what you allow yourself to get into. Because when you distance yourself, you detach yourself, you draw near to the world, you can't but help to deny Christ. Proverbs 29, verse 25. The fear of man bringeth a snare. The fear of man bringeth a snare. You know what the word snare is? It's a trap. The fear of man bringeth a snare. Peter's going to grow and mature in this process. But he, at this point, was obviously not strong enough. He was obviously not strong enough to be able to handle this type. He was not strong enough to be able to handle this type of pressure. Now, later on, we're going to see Peter stand for God. Later on, we're going to see Peter take beatings. We're going to see Peter, they're going to, they're, they're, they're going to threaten him, and he's going to say we ought to obey God rather than men. And later on, we're going to see Peter do some great thing for God. But at this point, at this point, Jesus looked at him and said, Peter, Satan had desire to have you, that he may sift you as wheat. And look, please understand this. And this is why, look, and you parents, you need to be careful. You parents need to be careful what you allow your kids to get into. Say, Pastor, why don't you let your kids be in Little League and this and that? Why don't you let them go to these places and that places? Because I want their friends to be people that are saved. Because here's what I know about immaturity, and children are immature. That's what they are. We're helping them mature. Here's what I know about immaturity. It will always defer to its surroundings. So I know you really want your kids to work, and I know you really want your kids to get college lessons, and I know you really want your kids to learn sports and learn this and learn that, but I'd rather my kids serve God. So be careful. So be careful. It's insanity to me. You know, let let me help you with something, parents. Don't punish your children by not allowing them to go to church things. Are you crazy? I want my kids in as many church activities as possible. And I got parents, they come up to me, oh, my kids aren't allowed to do that activity, it's a punishment. I'm like, good night. Give them a spanking and let them go to the activity. (laughs) You want them around people that love God and serve God, that are headed in the right direction. Why? Because their friends will determine the direction and the destination of their lives. They will defer to their surroundings, so get them around good surroundings. Because the fear of man bringeth a snare. And sometimes the truth is this. When we're with Christ and when we're with our friends, we are bold, pull that sword out. I don't have good aim, but at least I got his ear. And when we're alone, a 12-year-old girl will scare you. When you're alone, a little maid will cause you to be afraid. How did Peter get to this place? Look, this is why the Bible says, Exodus 23, 2, Thou shalt not follow a multitude to do evil. How did Peter get to this place? He distanced himself from Christ. He detached himself from good friends. He drew near to the world. He deferred to his surroundings. He denied Christ. 
And I want you to notice, and sometimes we read this, and I don't think, look, sometimes when you read the Bible, especially these narratives, you got to do your best to kind of put yourself into the story because we're reading about human beings, people who literally lived through this. It's always really sad when you read these stories and you read about Peter weeping bitterly. But I want you to understand, in Luke, there is a... Uh, a, a detail given to the story that kind of makes it, at least for me, it makes it very real. But in order to understand it in Luke, you, you need to catch a detail in Mark. And I want you to notice it, Mark chapter 14, if you would. Verse 66, Matthew, Mark. Mark chapter 14, verse 66. Mark fourteen sixty-six. Mark fourteen sixty-six. I want you to notice, remember when Peter went into the palace? I want you to notice this detail in Mark fourteen sixty-six. And as Peter was beneath in the palace. I want you to notice that when Peter went in to see this whole judgment of Jesus happen, the Bible tells us that he was beneath in the palace, meaning Jesus was above him. Now what that looked like and how that looked, I I don't know. If I had to make an assumption or if I had to guess, I would guess that Jesus was on some sort of a balcony. This judgment was being done on some sort of a balcony or a platform. And Peter was down witnessing this. Jesus was up there being questioned. Witnesses are coming and this whole trial is going on. And Peter's down, warming himself, denying Christ. In Luke 22, we get these details. Luke 22, verse 60. I want you to notice it. I want you to notice Peter's denial. Luke 22 and verse 60, the Bible says this. Luke 22 and verse 60. And Peter said, Luke 22, verse 60. And Peter said, Man, I know not what thou sayest. And immediately, while he yet spake, the cock crew. And I want you to notice verse 61. And the Lord, Jesus who's up on a balcony being put on trial to be put to death. And the Lord turned and looked upon Peter. I mean, could you imagine that? I will never deny you. Though all men deny you, I'll never deny you. I'll die with you. I'll go to prison with you. I'll prove it by cutting someone's ear off. And Jesus says, well, before the cock crow, thou shalt deny me thrice. And then when it happens, and then when it happens, the maid comes, and he says, I know not the man, and the other maid, and I know not the man, and the people are like, no, we saw you. And he's like, I don't know the man, and he's cursing, and he's yelling. And the cock crows, and he looks up, and Jesus is looking, eye contact. The Lord turned and looked upon Peter. And Peter remembered the words of the Lord, how he had said unto him, before the cock crow, thou shalt deny me thrice. And Peter's denial, the moment he realized that he did exactly what he set out not to do. Jesus was watching. And I'm sure this was embarrassing. I'm sure this was a shameful moment. The Bible says he went out and wept bitterly because of it, and I think all of us would. But please understand that when you and I deny Christ, he is up on a balcony watching. And he's looking down on us. And he sees what we do. And though you may not be able to physically make eye contact with Jesus, you need to realize he's there. 
when we mess up. He's there when we deny. Notice Peter's devastation, verse 62. And Peter went out and wept bitterly. Now, in general, and if you've ever came to our church for any length of time, you'll, you'll know that I, I generally don't like to end a sermon on a low note. <laughs> I believe in reprove, rebuke, and exhort. I usually try to leave you with some sort of exhortation. So here's your exhortation for, your sto- for this story. If you feel bad for Peter, realize this. He's going to get right with God. Amen. Jesus is not done with him. Now he's going to quit. He's going to go back to his old life. We're going to talk about this next week. He's going to go back and he's going to drag some good men with him. But Jesus, after the resurrection, goes out and finds Peter and brings him back. And here's all I'm telling you. Maybe this is you. You've been distancing yourself. Maybe this is you. You've detached yourself. Maybe this is you. You've drawn close to the world. Maybe this is you. You've deferred to your surroundings. And maybe you've even denied. Just know. You can always come back. And Jesus is not done with you. Let's bow our heads and have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you for these stories that you've given us. Thank you for these concepts in Scripture, these examples meant to warn us and motivate us. And Lord, I pray, I pray for all of us, Lord, to realize that we are, we are no better than Peter. If Peter could deny you, we can deny you. And Lord, I pray you'd help us, for some of us, Maybe it means we need to remember, therefore, from whence we are fallen and repent and get back to those first works. We've distanced ourselves. We're still following, but we've distanced ourselves. For others, we've detached, and it's time to reattach. We've disconnected, and it's time to get connected. For others, maybe they've already drawn close to the world. They are, they're sitting next to the enemies of the cross of Christ. And Lord, I pray you'd help us to separate Lord, help us not to defer to our surroundings. Help us not to deny in our words and in our actions. And Lord, for those who maybe are physically here, but mentally, spiritually, emotionally, they're already gone. Pray, Lord, you'd help them to realize that Jesus is not done with them. And though we deny, he wants to bring us back. He wants to restore us and bring us to our full potential. Lord, I pray you'd help us all, all to get there and all to come there. We all have seasons in our lives when we need to get right with, with you. And Lord, I pray you'd help us with that. Lord, we love you. Thank you for your word. In the matchless name of Christ, we pray. Amen.